What is up, good people? Welcome back to the Gas and Go podcast, a podcast for the people, by the people, and almost full of all of our people back this week. After a week when it was just yours truly, man in the recording booth, I hope I'm sounding more upbeat and lively. Apparently, I sounded a little depressed last week flying solo, but I can assure you I was not upset at all. (laughs) But what a week to get back into it with the gang. Plenty of things to talk about. Uh, We'll all put on our construction hard hats and break down turtles, curbs, uh, road surfaces, whatever other concrete uh, conversations we can get into, I'm sure. Um, But like many of you, I'm very interested to hear where the boys were last week when they were on vacation. So let's get them in here and get this show on the road. Up first is our gas man, Papa Bear Dave. Dave, give us the vacation recap. Highs, lows, regrets. It was about 99% highs for me. We had a beach house in Topsail Island, North Carolina. Family vacation, cooler full of beer, grill full of hot food. The only downside was the exceedingly long drive to get down there. It's about 545 with no traffic. So you can count on six and a half or seven. It took a full 10 hours between traffic, weather, and two kids needing to stop. Rough drive down, great week at the beach. What was the drive back like? How many hours? It was about eight and a half. It wasn't great, but, you know, you're not missing beach time at that point. You're just missing sleep. We survived. Still watch an entire Coke 600 in that entire time. That's that's the one good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. It was uh, yeah, definitely not an easy drive, but, you know, we slogged it home. How many Gas & Go uh, podcasts did you re-listen to within that 16, 17 hours of driving? I would say, I mean, a couple, 19. Okay, nice. I saw the numbers go up on a lot of those old ones, so appreciate that. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> All right, let's get our next vacation man in here, our analytics guru, Ryan, a.k.a. Rhino. Rhino, your turn. Break down the vacation, the highs, lows, regrets, hot, anything special happen? Yes, a lot of right proper beers were taken down in Deep Creek, Maryland. Uh, only a two-hour drive from me. The low point had to be when I jumped into the lake holding my wife's phone the chair got blown into the water. I was holding her phone, checking the weather radar. I just instinctly jumped right in, held the phone up. The phone is fine. Wow. A hero. Not a happy wife, though, for that 10-minute stretch there. And I lost my fake wedding ring. So it was, it was a couple bad days in there. <laughs> At least it wasn't your real wedding ring or the phone. I mean, very, very uh, lucky on what you actually lost and the wrath you could have received there. Oh, I was I was nervous. Where is the white rice when you need it? You always have pounds of bags and we had no rice there. And but the we're still fine right. for now, well, for now. But when it breaks a year from now, guess who's going to get blamed? Yeah. When they open that up and see that little red sticker instead of the white sticker. Exactly. Yeah, yep, that was Deep Creek 2021. <laughs> All right, well, we got to get uh, the next vacay man in here, the five greatest jack men of all time, Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Dill, wrap us up here. Vacation highlights. It was good as well. Uh, full of golf and full of a lot of hot, hot sun. It was a toasty one in central Virginia the last week. Heat index is up to like 113 in the afternoon, and that – 113 was felt every bit on the 13th green when I'm just like slugging along trying to drink all the water I can get, but it was good. It was a good time. 
Did you go higher or lower than the temperature on your score? I went lower, thankfully. <laughs> no, that actually is a good uh, bearing point right there, but lower than the temperature. <laughs> good, good. Uh, and last but not least is our eyes on the sky, Spotter Cons. But Spotter Cons is out again this week, so we'll have to wait to get an update from him. Extended vacation, possibly work, possibly blowing us off. We don't know. We'll have to we'll have to track him down and get the update as soon as we can. Uh, I got another question for the group, though. What did you guys think of the show with Davey Siegel? I mean, obviously you all listened on vacation, just me in the booth. Look, here's my here's my key thought. I I like to think I'm a fairly integral part of this show. Yet when we've needed additional hosts, we've gone to another guy named Dave and another gas man. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm not offended and like I haven't noticed. I feel like you're all coming for me. <laughs> Dave, I'll say he sounds a little bit more chipper now that you're back, though. So that's good. It, it is a handsome face on the Zoom. You know, it, it helps. Uh, yep, yep. Well, I mean, it was fun being there uh, by myself, but with Davey Siegel, he, he uh, filled in admirably and, and did a good job. Davey's got a lot of got a good insights and, and things to say. He's got a ton of jobs. That's what he really has. He's got yeah. one million jobs. That guy is really working hard and really wants to make it, not just uh, five guys doing a podcast semi-weekly. I'd hate to uh, do Davey's taxes. That's like I don't know, three or four W-2s. At least, no, that's like, a lot of 1099s. Yeah, I was going to say at least four 1099s there. <laughs> we'll cover that on our tax podcast later, right after the UFC <laughs> one, but it'll be electric when we go through his uh, his stuff. At least he clearly likes NASCAR. I mean, we've had, you know, I don't want to name names, but another <laughs> racing reporter that we've had on previously, who just is not a NASCAR fan, and his tweets this weekend made that more and more apparent. So, Wow, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had that many people on. Matt Weaver does not like NASCAR. I know names. Matt (laughs) Matt Weaver is just a racing enthusiast. He just loves racing. And I I think the purity of racing and the blending of of racing and entertainment that the NASCAR Cup Series brings is not for him. Yeah. And that's fair. It's not. It's not. But we'll have Matt back on when we need to talk Chili Bowl or Snowball or whatever. Knoxville. Knoxville or, yeah, anything like that. Speaking of hardworking guys, he came up. I, you know, mean no disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. Matt was great. Really enjoyed him. All right. Well, Dave, what do you got for me this week? Well, it was a nice little segue before we broke off, but we know you were not on vacation. You were grinding like you suggest that we all do, but you did get in some golf uh, late to reply to some texts from me yesterday. No worries, no hard feelings uh, because you were playing golf, which got me thinking, I won't ask for your foursome, but if you could pick one active cup series driver to be a cart mate, a driver, I assume. I don't think he's going to ride shotgun. Who are you playing golf with? One Cup Series driver. Well, if, if I had to pick one that has been on this show, it'd probably be Corey LaJoy. Uh, I feel like Corey and I just get along with a lot of a lot of similarities, and we'd have a lot of fun out there. Overall, I don't know. I mean, might still be Corey LaJoy. Maybe Quinn Half, the Halfmeister. The Halfmeister. Half, Half will <laughs> be fun pace, at the 19th games. <laughs> him or Cody Ware, you know. <laughs> what if you what if you just need somebody in a foursome that you know is gonna hit bombs? Who's hitting bombs out there? Newman. Um, Newman. Newman. Yeah, Newman's just Matty like, D. They're <laughs> I'm going for the big guns. Or he could hit a bomb, probably. Yeah, I'm sure Corey. Yeah. He's an athlete. He's yeah, that bombs. dude's played some yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Corey Joy, if you're listening, let's get out there, play 18 together. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's get into actually talking some more about NASCAR uh, and get into, well, talking paint schemes first. But, Dave, 
why don't you tell us who keeps the Gas and Go Boys fueled? Thanks, Garrett. I'm happy to tell y'all that this Gas and Go podcast is brought to you by our friends at RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise for more than 20 years. Home to guaranteed lowest pre-order prices, automatic discounts in your cart, and free upgrades to expedited shipping. All right, thank you, Dave. Let's get into stage one. Dill, play us in. All right, bumper sticker awards are back. And since we didn't do predictions last week, and I was the only one on the show, I'm going first. <laughs> and hey, I'll, I'll tell you what, this was a comeback week for paint schemes. I strong like. week. Very there strong were, week. Yeah, there were a lot of contenders in the field this week. Uh, I got a prediction on yours, but I'll, I'll let you. Well, it. I had one set in stone, and then I was I went back. I was like, damn, I really like that one and that one and the that one. The chalkiest of chalk is out there. Yes, yeah, and I'm not going to go. For sure. That. I'm going with one that I know Ryan probably has lined up for his, and that is Eric, Eric Almarola, Almarola and the number 10 Mobile One pegasus car that pegasus on the side is epic that is a beautiful old school pegasus great honeycomb like dark blue there right by the 10 numbering a a great number 10 font color it kind of reminds me almost of a valvoline car with with how they sort of lightened up the mobile one colors. So that is an A plus paint scheme right there by Eric Almarola. I don't know why the honeycomb is like the gas equivalent of like the gas texture. Maybe it's like the chemical thing. We, maybe I can get a chemical engineer to break that down for us, but it or makes me think of gas or, or a chemist or a chemical engineer, maybe a little bit better, but the mobile one Pegasus car is always a beaut. Great call with the white too, instead of the black yes. that Harvick runs a little bit cleaner. Yeah, I agree. The white really made it pop up with that with that red and light blue. So yeah, that's mine. And uh, I know Ryan's probably disappointed there um, because we don't have an order. I will give it to you next, Ryan, to make up for taking what was probably your one A. Well, I will also not take the chalky chalk one. I'll take the one I thought you were going to take. I know how much you love the oil cars. I'm going to go with Chris Boucher with the green and uh, red Castrol car. Pretty clean. I feel like we could use a little bit more in the back quarter panel area, big white space there. Maybe just put oil in like an aerial font. I know Dylan loves those. Just a little something more, but the green and red still works. The dyno car is, of course, better, but it's not bad for an oil car. Yeah, I was going to say that. It looks kind of like your Sinclair dyno color there. And <laughs> a strong comeback for Castrol after what were some disasters last year. I mean, that red, green, and pink car they had for Ryan Newman one race, still... <sighs> burned into my mind <laughs> i'm sure the pink was for something important but sometimes you know it, it sometimes has to take a backseat to the brand this felt like castrol was really making their comeback right here at the yep. end of the road course. strong oil week indeed good choice there all right uh i see dave like chomping at the bit here <laughs> <laughs> he's got it looks like he's literally eating his microphone so it's <laughs> go ahead dave <laughs> Uh, be a great time to pivot and go with Ryan Newman's car, which I'm not going to do. You guys took my 1A and my 1B. I thought those were the best cars of the weekend. I will happily, however, take third choice in that chalk Hooters 9, the black and orange with Hootie on the front. It's it's one of my favorite paint schemes every time it comes out. I'm going to bet it was Kenny Hunt's favorite paint scheme of the week, and it was probably mine too. It just always looks good. That, yeah, I mean, that that is obviously the one that if, like, someone was going to come on the show and, and we were going to be like, guess which car we picked, that was that would be the pick. That's the chalk. That is a beauty. That's a classic. I mean, you could pick that every week, every year as a 
top three paint scheme. Garrett and I kind of took two project quarterbacks with the first two picks. Dave <laughs> stepped up and took the big 6'6 defensive lineman from the SEC. He's going to be in eight Pro Bowls. Five first time, you know, first teamer, you know, just a great pick, a great car, especially the black. Maybe run it at night too might help, but it's still a great out. It would look great. It would look even better at night. And this, but to run it at a track where you know he's going to run top five, yeah, you know, not a bad choice. Exactly. Yep. So Hooters looked car. at Hooters looked at the uh, schedule and they knew where their money was going to get was going to get run pretty well. So <laughs> good call there. All right, Dale, clean us up here. All right, you guys have taken some good ones for sure. There's a lot of good food ones this week that I'll leave off the board as well. Um, I feel weird taking this because I didn't watch the show, but this is just a very, very well done insurance king, number 52, Josh Balicki, saved by the king, saved by the bell-themed car. Um, All the old 90s retro graphics and everything that you'd see, the big font on the side. And then the big Saved by the Bell logo replaced by Saved by the King on the um, hood of the car right there. So really well done. And it's a cool to see like the 90s throwback get in there. Yep. That was, I was going to mention that one in the uh, honorable mention cleanup. That was awesome. The insurance King guys had some really cool paint schemes this year with uh, the, the old 52 machine there and the 52 got top 20 this week. I mean, there were some reasons behind that, but <laughs> good still a top 20. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we, we, I mean, we got to run through some honorable mentions. I thought for right? sure Dylan was going with that Hungry Jack number 47 with the. That was a great one. That was, that was the second option for the sure. Just in the <laughs> yeah. background, just going nuts. I mean, are you kidding me? What a great call. I'm just now seeing the syrup is pouring out of the container onto the pancakes. Even better. This should have been some one splashing pick. and like kind of blowing in the wind. Like, <laughs> wow. That's, that's some sticky syrup right there. I almost thought it was bacon when I like glanced by it. I was like, man, is that. Pancakes and bacon. The pancakes are a little hard to tell. They almost look like a chicken sandwich or something, too, <laughs> with like the tire cutting out the whole middle of it. It could be like a McGriddle style sandwich there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I also thought that uh, Kevin Harvick's number four green car was pretty good this week. And uh, looks like a new betting thing. Just uh, get, get, get ready for the random betting websites for the next two years that <laughs> oh, yeah. you never heard of. And if you, it's not going to be ending a dot com, a dot net, or a dot gov. It's going to be something dot crazy, and it's not going to make any sense. But yeah, it's not a bad looking car. Yeah, most of my favorites are off the board. I actually, let uh, my wife and daughter both wanted to chime in with favorites this week. My wife liked the Reddick Bet MGM Camaro, and my daughter, like her dad, likes the dot coms. Went with the Michael McDowell Mustang. Nice. Carparts.com, I believe. I think she's probably more digging the colors since she can't read yet, but either way. <laughs> Is she a big Michael McDowell fan? Huge. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's talk of visiting his pool next summer. We'll see what happens. That Daytona 500 win uh, really won her over at 1 a.m. in the middle of the night when she uh, woke up for it. <laughs> she loves love. <laughs> Uh, all right, last one we got to mention here is the the Ryan Newman six machine with like, let's see, one, two, three, four, five hot dogs on the side. That's just that's awesome. Can't go wrong. <laughs> it's got with like it. the pinstripe from all the mustard on it too. It pretty yeah. well done. Could be ketchup, I, but I think that there's no ketchup. That that yeah. I will give a ton of respect for. <laughs> a good Chicago dog right there. Um, all right. Yeah. Great, great week for paint schemes. Um, I gotta admit I dropped the ball on social media shout outs. So don't even ask Ryan. Well, uh, let me go ahead and let me go ahead. And <laughs> I, I, I've got some summarized for you. Kenny hunt at <laughs> hunt eight, eight, nine, seven, liked the Hooters, uh, car of, um, he liked the number nine, like I did, I guess maybe 
maybe Connor is protesting because Kyle Bush ran the M&M's mix scheme again, which Connor thumbs down the last time. That's true. I could talk about M&M's first. I had peanut butter M&M's for the first time over vacation. I've always been a peanut M&M guy, strictly. The peanut butter M&M's, not that bad. Are, are they like yeah, Reese's they're delicious. Pieces? They're the better version of Reese's Pieces, said my wife four days ago. That's that's sacrilegious. There's, there's uh, no so better version. Well, have you so had they're, them? They're bigger than Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces are more like a traditional M&M with a peanut butter flavor. Right. This has, size-wise, this has peanut butter filling as opposed to a peanut. It's got a more peanut, I don't know. I'd give it a shot. All right. Good to know. Something to monitor. Softer texture than a Reese's Pieces because you got less shell per bite. Very good to know. Well said. (laughs) We'll get you the the actual stats on that shell to uh, bite ratio next week. I'll leave that to the engineer and statistician. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's get into stage two. I'm kind of excited to get into stage two here and get an update on everything going on in NASCAR. It's been a while since we... uh, did a news rundown, so let's get our guess and go news correspondent in here. Rhino, over to you. Thanks, Garrett. I'm Rhino, and this is your Stage 2 Gas and Go News. It's being rumored that 2311 might be headed for a merger with Ford running Front Row Motorsports. Dylan, is pretty much guaranteed that your boy, Kurt Busch, will be at 2311, but do you think 2311 might be overextending themselves a little bit? I don't know if it's a full done deal yet you know it sounded like 2311 is okay just running it off sponsorships if they can get it in full time then that's cool i think that whatever they can do to to keep on growing over there i'm with jimmy johnson told the charlotte observer that he'd be willing to return to nascar for the right ride dave would you also like to tell the charlotte observer that you'd be willing to return to nascar yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, right? Greg yeah. Biffle was willing to come back. What did Jimmy – and with all due respect, we're talking about one of the top three race car, NASCAR drivers of all time. What did you do in your last five years that makes you think somebody's going to want a guest spot from Jimmy Johnson? They calling him in for a, for a mile-and-a-half track? Hey, we need that guy who was really good at those 10 years ago. Jimmy, what are you doing? Ryan Newman is unsure of his 2022 plans after Brad Keselowski announced that he's taking over the number six car next year. Garrett, I'm guessing no big rides are going to open up for the Rocket Man. Would you rather see Newman retire or take a lesser ride? Um, let's see. I'm also unsure about my 2022 plans. I'm assuming Ryan Newman and I will have the same plans when it comes to racing next year. Whether he retires or, you know, if he still runs, you know, a handful of races, that's great. Um, I feel like I feel like uh, he's on the lower half of his uh, career, though. The Christopher Bell versus Kyle Larson feud continues with Larson sending a midnight text and then Bell leaving him on read and not responding. Dylan, as the Vince McMahon of the theoretical NASCAR Wrestling Federation, will you send these two into a steel cage match to sort this sort this all out? I would love to see that. Um, no, that would be some great entertainment, great undercard for the Kezo Logano main headline card there, but I am fully Team Bell with how pathetic it is that Larson called him out for not answering a text at the media. Well, that is sad. That's a get out of here, kid. Eric Jones told Bob Pockross that a deal is close to being done for him to return to RPM in 2022. Dave, do you think Jones has done enough to deserve a second year with, uh, with Petty? This is not an easy question to answer. There's just so much young talent out there. And maybe we should revisit this after you ask Garrett the next question. Um, you know, I've read, how much Eric Jones wants to get a deal done. And uh, yeah, I should think so. 
Um, but AJ Allmendinger officially has more Cup Series wins this year than you do. It was announced on Monday that Josh Berry will be racing full-time in 2022 for Junior Motorsports in the number eight car. Garrett, I love this move. Very happy for Josh, who has raced great in the opportunities he's had. But with Sam Mayer also signed up for 2022, who's going to get the boot from JRM? Yeah, this is very interesting when you look at the driver lineup there, which cars they have. And remember that Junior always likes to run one race a year, so he usually keeps that number eight car uh, with not a full-time driver, so he can hop in there. So if you got Josh Berry in the eight, Sam Mayer in another one of the numbers, and then you've got Justin Allgaier, Michael Annette, Noah Gregson, maybe run five cars, maybe someone's out there. We'll see. That's that's inter- interesting little uh, shakeup that could be happening in the next couple weeks. And that is your Stage 2 Gas & Go News. I'm Rhino. Garrett, back to you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be back with the NASCAR news update segment of the show. Uh, You know what it's not good to be back with is five good seconds. It's been awesome not having that in like more than a month. Where are we this week, Ryan? Are are we back or not? We're we're smack middle of the summer break. We had two weeks off before this. We got two weeks off coming up. Enjoy your break, fellas. I love it. I love it. Let's keep it going. All right. (laughs) Let's get right into stage three then. But first... Dave, why don't you give us the latest with Racing USA? Well, it is great to still be presented by our friends at RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise. RacingUSA.com has a wide assortment of driver diecast apparel, hats, helmets, novelties, and collectibles for the sport's most popular drivers. For example, RacingUSA.com currently has more than 500 different collectible diecast cars available for 39 different drivers, including this weekend's A.J. Allmendinger Indy Road Course Race winner. Maybe that takes him to 40? I will have to check the inventory. RacingUSA.com is truly unique. Items in your cart are automatically discounted. Upgrade your orders to expedited shipping at no additional cost. You're guaranteed the lowest pre-order prices. In-stock orders are shipped the next business day. And of course, you can select from a wide assortment of the newest, officially licensed, diecast apparel, hats, helmets, novelties, and collectibles for the sport's most popular drivers many of which are exclusive to RacingUSA.com. You're doing business with an independently owned company that has met the test of time for more than 20 years. Enter to win this month's $200 gift card, and they've just added the ability for, to pay for your order over four easy payments. Why wouldn't you shop at RacingUSA.com? Whenever you want something new to show your support for your favorite driver, shop at RacingUSA.com, America's online headquarters for NASCAR merchandise for more than 20 years. Tell them the Gas and Go Boys sent you. Garrett, back to you. All right, thanks, Dave. Good to have you back for the Racing USA update. I, I gave it my best Dave impression last week, but nothing replaces the real thing. All right, let's get into stage three here. DW, get it going. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. All right, we are in stage three. We're going to talk a lot here about Indianapolis, the road course, everything crazy that went on there. But first, as always, we start with two truths and a lie. I give three facts. The boys got to sniff out which one of the three facts is actually a lie. Here we go. Fact number one, a 13-lap overtime was needed for the first cup race at Indy's road course, just two laps short of the entire stage one. Fact number two, late crashes caused a serious shakeup in the finishing order as only five drivers currently in the playoffs finished in the top 10. 
And fact number three, A.J. Allmendinger survives the mayhem to score his second career NASCAR Cup Series win and the first for colleague racing. Number one's definitely true. And then I stopped listening after that, as I normally do, because I always think it's one truth and two lies. So three, as far as I know, is true. I know this was the Dinger's second win. I can't imagine Colleg has another one. Three seems very true to me. If Ryan is correct on one, the number two is the lie. I'm going to go with number two as well. Let's put all Sounds like number two is the answer there. We're all in. Wow, you guys actually use like process of elimination and reason to figure it out. We had a week off. We're we're thinking. We got <laughs> we're the sharp right going. now. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Fact number two was in fact the lie. Late crashes caused a serious shakeup in the finishing order as only four drivers mm-hmm. currently in the playoffs finishing in the top ten. Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Kurt Busch. So pretty crazy ending there. Uh, when you have a 13 lap overtime uh, on a road course where half the course has to be removed during the overtime. Um, all right. So where do y'all want to, where do you want to start? Like Dinger, Turtle, Larson, Hamlin, Briscoe? Hamlin would be my preference. That's, I, I was just hoping for so much more in his post-race interview. I, I was really hoping for angry Denny Hamlin. And I think this is where, Denny, the team owner, is a problem for ratings because he has to be at least a little bit diplomatic. And he was extremely diplomatic. Yeah, he didn't only just have his FedEx cap on. He had his McDonald's cap on. He had his Dr. Pepper cap on. He had his Coke cap on. He, he, that's a great I have I have not heard that point yet, Dave. I think that perfectly sums it up. But we'll still get some snarky tweets this week uh, towards the forward camp, and especially with Tony Stewart going over after and kind of like – Powing around with Briscoe and way to not give him anything when Briscoe was just being honest about what he heard. I think that's going to rub Denny Hamlin the wrong way, but I think it was the perfect opportunity where Briscoe was nice enough of a guy that maybe Hamlin didn't overreact or react correctly to it. But a nice shove in there really would have done something for the uh, the old ratings. Everything rubs Denny Hamlin the wrong way. I mean, so I I wasn't surprised that he was peeved. I'll agree with you though, Ryan. I think Briscoe his sort of nature and complete like honesty diffused a lot of that. There wasn't much Hamlin could do unless he just really wanted to be a jerk because <laughs> Briscoe was like so sincere. If you listen to that interview or that conversation of them talking, he was like, look, man, I really didn't know I was penalized and I really wasn't trying to wreck you. And you could tell Hamlin was like trying to like, you know, and then he was finally just like, all right. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Well, Denny did use the term situational awareness. And when you shortcut the course in the way that he did, you should think maybe that wasn't something I I'm going to get away with. But if you're not told that you have a penalty, you're just going to keep yeah, racing. You understand. I mean, Ross play Chastain, play the whistle. Ross Chastain at Sonoma, you know, five weeks ago, yeah. drove right through turn 11 or whatever, no penalty to be had. I, I'm sure Briscoe wasn't thinking of that, but you know, it definitely, it turned out that, Briscoe's team knew he had a penalty, but that was not communicated to him correctly. And at a road course with multiple spotters, you know, the radio communications a little shaky. Briscoe just has to drive. And he knew he had to get Hamlin there. He knew Almendinger was coming. It's just that weird situation where it all worked out, where if it was anyone else, I think Hamlin would have been throwing punches, rightfully so. I was completely on board with, with Briscoe driving that way and, and making that move. I mean, 
isn't that his whole season it's his whole freaking season was right there all he had to do was bump him he was going to run away from the field he was going to be in the playoffs that would be huge for that team he had to do it isn't that what fans always want it's like some guy to actually do it right like and that's what nascar needs to not be afraid to to move a joe gibbs racing car out of the way i know there was a point during the the middle of the race when when hamlin was getting held up by two cars and couldn't pass them and there was some radio chatter where Hamlin was pissed and his crew chief was like, you know, punt these guys out of the way. And Hamlin was like, you know, 10-4. And Hamlin didn't do anything. He, he couldn't even catch the guys. Like, I hate that kind of like fake, like, yeah, let's go get this guy and punt him out. And then like, don't do anything at all. And now Briscoe, there is no chatter about punting. He's just out there racing literally for his livelihood and to get in the playoffs and get his first win at his home, you know, state track. Like, I, I was so happy that he did it. I was so disappointed when that penalty came out and he, and he had to lose it but i was completely on board my here's one thing i pointed out to you guys in the text thread denny wants to talk about situational awareness he said his team told him that briscoe was penalized move over bro why are you racing him so hard if you know he has no right to the spot let him pass you that would have been such a galaxy brain move that only Denny Hamlin and uh, Dave the Gas Man could have pulled off. That, that would have been incredible. I would have bowed down to Denny Hamlin. I would never have said a bad word if he was able to think of that and pull it off. But yeah, that, that would have been incredible. And that was, that was another good point by you, Dave. I hate saying so many good points by Dave, but <laughs> here we are, post-vacation, 10-hour drive by himself. Maybe he's finally figured this whole thing out. <laughs> Two good points by Dave in a, in a five-minute conversation. Incredible. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we could beat that one to death. But what about AJ Allmendinger, Ryan? I felt like this was like so up your alley. Like, I feel like if we had done predictions last week, you probably would have chosen AJ Allmendinger because you love taking the the specialist out there and the, and the, you know, team that's just trying to make it. So I'll give it to you first. I mean, that was I just cool. wish I could have spent some time in Virginia before that race because there's no legal betting, betting in Maryland. And I'm sure AJ Allmendinger was plus 2,500, plus 2,000 you know, maybe throw a little something on him and he would have maybe pulled home some extra cash for me. But yeah, I'm very happy for colleague. I think this sets up very well for next year, assuming we keep going to this many road courses and we can talk about that too. But if we keep going to six or seven road courses with a car, that's kind of more balanced across all the different ownerships that colleague racing AJ Allmendinger car is going to be an instant championship contender. Like he's going to be the favorite or co-favorite in, you know, almost half or a quarter of the regular season races. He's going to yeah, be, I mean, but he's not, he's not even slated to be the full-time driver. That's oh, he's going to be the full-time driver. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I got, I got a good word from our buddy, Chris Rice, that he's going to be the full-time driver. You gotta be kidding me. If he's not, you heard it here first. I mean, and yeah, then, I mean, the guy has certainly revamped his career since, since deciding to start racing for college racing and, and, you know, do the Xfinity thing, getting some oval wins, coming back up to cup and getting another cup win. And this is a guy who worked all his way up to Penske. He was in Penske yeah. for one year and then got, you know, turned. He had some, a couple issues. He got turned away, worked his way all the way back, did a part-time deal for Colleg last year. I think his win at Atlanta last year, his first oval win for Colleg Racing, that was the kind of turning point for him in that Colleg team that really said, like, Almondinger can be the guy. He can go out there and win you on a road course and maybe be competitive in the ovals. And who knows? Maybe you find yourself in the championship before he wins at the Roval. And you get you're a top four driver just like that. Yep. And and, and you, you know, know Chris Rice and the call and Matt Collett love him. I mean Chris Rice sort of mentioned that to us when he was on. They love what AJ Allmendinger is all about. So yeah, you're, maybe you're right, Ryan. And in addition to being happy for the Dinger, which this is awesome, like you guys said, you got to be happy for Collett Racing. I mean, friends of the show. 
uh, seemed like a very cool team. Just you heard him say it in his post-race interview, right? Just go get me wins. I don't care what car you bring back. They seem like fun loving guys. And so to have a team that's not even in the cup series yet, get a win and then come to this cup series next year. Pretty exciting. I'm sure that place was burning down on Sunday night back there at the, uh, RCR complex where they're where they got their headquarters. Yeah. What do you think that credit card uh, limit was that he, he threw out Matt Colick threw out there for a cup series win. I think it was a big number. Yeah. Did you, Matt Colick is a big dude. Did you guys watch that interview? He's like twice the size of Dinger. It's kind of funny watching him. Well, Dinger and Justin Haley, the two uh, Colleague stars outside of Jeff Byrne are both very little. So maybe it's just yeah. Colleague wants to look real big and tough uh, next to him. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe there's something there. All right. The other big headline, of course, was the track itself uh, literally falling apart there at the end. This was disappointing, to be honest with you. I mean, A, because of Saturday, what happened there on the first lap, where a ton of contenders, including our guy, Brandon Brown, was taken out in the first lap because one of these crazy curbs were there and just completely shredded the car. And so they decided to take one of them out, but leave the other one. And if you're not going to like, you know, the guys are going to be driving over them, right? Like that they're there to prevent guys from, from cutting off that corner. And that's why that other like ramp curb was there. But I mean, goodness, I mean, this whole sport is based on like innovation and, and engineering. How does that even happen where part of it is just either loose or constructed in a manner that, is not suitable for car NASCAR cars to run over it and um, can't even last. So very disappointing by Indianapolis who tries to do everything top level and, and, you know, be best in show. Uh, I just thought that was just a disappointing part of the weekend right there. I got two thoughts here. One. Yes, you're right. That cannot happen at a NASCAR track. Um, And this year I feel like there've been in a sport that has consistently gotten safer year over year. There have been three or four instances of safety issues that are NASCAR's fault that just can't happen, whether it's Bristol in the mud when they can't see or Coda in the rain and they literally can't see, or when the track is literally falling apart and ripping people's cars, it's an issue. The converse is I took issue with, who was I listening to? I guess Austin Dillon post-race was blaming the drivers for the way they're driving the cars. I mean, look, you've got to drive hard into the corners in these road courses. Uh, you're, you're racing, like you guys said earlier, for your livelihood, you're racing other guys who know how to drive cars. I'm not going to blame a driver for hitting that part. It's got to be prepared for it. Yeah. I mean, Austin Dillon complained about how guys are driving it. Maybe he should have driven it that way and he wouldn't have finished what 35th. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Yeah. I was disappointed in that interview, to be honest with you, for, for a guy, I keep trying to, to bring my mind around on. It's just drive it harder, man. That's, that's what NASCAR is about. You've got to get every inch out of your car because you've all got the same equipment at least largely yeah dave i think like one thing about those tracks you were all just naming too they're all the experimental new tracks that nascar isn't sure if they're going to come back or not and now failures at three of them all in one season i think that that's a bad sign for if it's all going to come back like it's cool seeing nascar do all this but even ryan just mentioned it earlier with all the road courses they got to see some good results out of it. And so far it's been kind of shaky of how it's all played out, which is unfortunate because I think a lot yeah. of fans want them to be able to succeed. And, and this indie race is something I might've considered next year. Maybe you get to see a double header. You get to see indie car, which I'm not super interested in, but if it's there, you know, that's kind of a bonus, but now it's like, 
you know, this has a possibility of happening, then what's the point of going and seeing a guy like Brandon Brown getting destroyed, or we got these hops in the middle of nowhere. But I have a question for you guys. So in Formula One, they don't really do this. They will do track limits. Well, they'll just say you can't drive in that area and they'll penalize drivers. So they're just kind of judging it as they go. Would you rather that or the kind of jump thing we had where Corey LaJoy's going flying and Michael McDowell's going flying? Which one would you have rathered? Yeah, I guess I don't. The, the Formula One thing sounds miserable too, but I, it awful. makes more sense. Imagine NASCAR making those subjective decisions like that throughout a race. How but well it, would that possibly go? It wouldn't I mean you could? I mean you wouldn't have to be subjective. It would be you know, look if you're over don't the line, you're over the line. <laughs> what if you're what if you're forced below the line? I mean, I agree with Dill. It's well, they already have that rule at ovals. You could be you, and they already the are bad at calling it consistently. I mean, we're talking about corners where they're running three wide, which, by the way, was awesome. I want exclusively green-white checker finishes on road courses. I want three wide right turns every time. But I don't think you could leave subjective decisions up to NASCAR. Yeah, I guess I see you guys' point. All right, so the, the other like conversation around, okay, this was a bad thing that happened at this track, and this shouldn't have happened. Why are we racing on road courses that aren't really designed to be road courses, right? Like, why aren't we going to traditional road, more traditional road courses like Coda or Road America? If we're going to do all these road courses, why are we going to do these like, you know, half speedway, half road course things? So that's an interesting point. I mean, Davey and I kind of talked about this last week is like, is this the road course thing getting to be too much? I don't know. I mean, I found like a lot of the racing this year to be more interesting than I thought it would be at some of these road courses, but I'm still, it's a lot of road courses. And, and these, this issue was just, it just soured me a little bit on it all. To the surprise of no many. one. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's way too many. Just I'm run it out of the road Make it a 200, instead of the Brickyard 400, make it the Brickyard 200. Bring <laughs> it down a little bit. Maybe that'll excite some things up. Maybe do some other gimmicks, but get the thing back on the oval. That's what we're all here, all here to see. Maybe it's not the best race, but you're still at the best track, maybe in America, you know, but you can't run it on all these road courses. It, it's getting out of hand. It's it's too much. Yeah. Here's what, here's what I'm even less a fan of than road courses, and it's, crossing the start finish line in the wrong direction. I didn't get to complain about it at Watkins Glen, where they apparently also do it. If you're crossing the start finish line from, from right to left, I'm out. Yeah. It's, it's way too European. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's confusing to, to be fair for the old man. So I'm, I'm out. <laughs> it's like a Talladega night. Like... Yeah. Is he driving backwards across the start finish line? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. Well, does, I mean, does anyone? Well, I got a couple more. Does anyone yeah. think they should have called the race when the the curbs aren't coming apart? And Can we were looking imagine at imagine the uproar if they had called that race. So you you just keep going until you finish it. Yeah. At that point, you change. Uh, Jeff Byrne made a good, and I hate Jeff Byrne. So keep that in mind. <laughs> he made a good point. As we keep moving things from the track, it's no longer the track that originally was. The the final two laps that it ran on was not the track it was in the previous laps. It doesn't matter. They're they're place one piece of board on a boat every day until yep. the board is full of new <laughs> is it still the same boat uh it, it just the whole thing felt so bush league and you're finally on nbc you just call the race everyone saw what was going on you you now have a big super mario jump that, that drivers are going full <laughs> gas on they're not breaking on and you're gonna you're gonna make them crash you're gonna make them crash and that's what ended up happening but well, yeah it, so such a clown show 
maybe they maybe the Burton's Jeff Burton was concerned that he was going to lose the spotlight because they switch it from NBC to NBCSN. <laughs> Typical NBC move where they're just Classic. like, yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> Look, we got amateur golf coming up next. And it was a 36 hole match play. The dude was up four up. I had it on the BTV. Nothing was going on in that match event. I don't. The USGA has more pull at NBC than NASCAR does, and that should really tell you something, NASCAR, when you're looking out for this next deal, that we'll say, NBC doesn't care about you. Yeah. You guys mentioned another another NBC blunder, moving it to a different network, where, like, if you don't have Twitter, if you're not following Pocris and you know where to go, how do you even know? How do you find out? That's wrong? Anyway, that's a rhetorical question. The best take I saw was from Fox analyst um, Clint Boyer, who said – whether you like it or not, everyone's talking about it. I mean, it was entertainment of the highest order, and people were talking about it. That's, That's such a dumbed-down approach to how to grow your care. sport to just say, if people are talking, then it's a good thing. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> Even if it means all your cars are wiping out and <laughs> turn How six. much did that cost? Nasc- Look, that was a terrible move, but having an exciting finish, well, an exciting until it dr- drug on for, for minutes and hours or whatever, but – I you you cannot have an hour delay like that and then finish a race. It, you just have to call it after 10 minutes if you can't get it figured out. Calling, calling it's bad. I mean, I thought the, I couldn't believe how many people were like praising the, the track president out there sweeping. Like, <laughs> like, congratulations. Like, kudos. Like, who cares? Like, you should be out there sweeping. This is a complete disaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> Every track president uh, had their secretary go out them and buy them a broom, and they're always going to yeah. be carrying it around. And any dust, any dirt, they're moving. <laughs> oh, yeah, let me sweep that up for you real quick there. Yeah. The Twitter <laughs> machine like going. People were acting like he was Gandhi out there, like curing the like poor, like, you know, like <laughs> rich guy uses tool. Right. I think it was because he had the tie on. The, the the tie always like when it's dangling down. He's got yeah. the broom going. It, it's it's. Yeah. A good, I, I like white collar, he, but I know. Did it'll you work see him hard. come back for like one extra like you know publicity like push on the broom? It was such a fake thing. They were already out of there. He like ran over. He like did like two more sweeps and like looked around like yeah, all right, looks like good. a giant pair of scissors for the ribbon cutting. Yeah, exactly. Look, it was a disaster of a finish for all the reasons you guys said, but I was entertained on both green white checkers. I will say that. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. Good racing. I mean, that, that do you is think true. the just generic fan who's flipping around? Maybe he wanted to catch the golf am. He's seeing it. Is this really what we want to present to that person that he's going to you know stick around and watch Michigan next week? If you just I, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> the answer is no. The Absolutely race, no. But it, you're not going to get. You'll get Dave, you'll get me, you'll get Garrett, you'll get Dylan. You will not get the generic fan with this clown stuff. I don't know, Ryan. If you if you turned in, tuned in right there when uh briscoe got forced well yeah when it restarted i'm talking about during the 20 minute delay when we're going to jeff burton for the millionth time and he's gonna oh, break God. down something for us if i'm tuning in i don't know what's going on and i hear jeff burton i'm like i'm out of here <laughs> nobody needs to listen to the chipmunks for entertainment the best was jeff burton he was calling like the end of stage two and he's like and austin dylan's gonna take stage two and rick allen's like and he's got one more lap <laughs> <laughs> You idiot, Jeff Byrne, you idiot. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, good segue into the Austin Dillon-Tyler Reddick little battle going on. Another blunder by NBC Sports, I feel like, is not like constantly showing the playoff standings, updating and everything. Because Reddick and Dillon, are, that's a fun little battle to watch inside the race. Teammates, they're both... <laughs> Both were doing the uh, point strategy where they stayed out to get the, the stage wins, and Tyler Reddick won both of them. I think 
Dylan was third and second in the other one, uh, which is cool. And then they both ended up crashing there at the end. So no one really sort of got too big of an advantage. But Tyler Reddick's now 28 points up on uh, Austin Dillon. And that, that gap does not feel like it's closing uh, anytime soon. I mean, obviously, Daytona is the wild card and somebody crazy winning Daytona or, you know, crashing or whatever. But uh, this is this is looking like Tyler Reddick's really sort of. You think Reddick's worried about old Grandpa uh, Childress? Uh, you know those. Uh, you still want that Childress Vineyard sponsorship, uh, Mister Reddick? Uh, maybe it, turn right into turn one. Uh. It's got to be like a little like weird, right? I yeah. mean, you know, they're saying all of the right things in the interview, but it's got to be. It's I, I I don't know. I'd be kind of embarrassed if I was Austin Dillon, right? I'd be embarrassed if I was Richard Childress, but Richard Childress is a competitor above all else. And, and what he wants is for his cars to do as, as well as they can. And if that means Reddick beats his grandson, then that's exactly what he wants to happen. Well, the, the car so. his team built won the race in the, the Kala car. I'm pretty sure that's an RCR built uh, machine. So yeah. you see in one of them win, but I think Reddick's going to be the better playoff driver, but Dylan is very good at Daytona. So I still think, I still think I'd give Dylan the edge right now. That's a wow. lot of points for two races. Really? Reddick always seems to mess it up, but I, I do. True. I I I love Reddick. I you know he's he's a great driver, but it maybe Michigan run the high wall. Larson's done it before. You know who knows? Yeah, Michigan should be. Uh, that's a tough one to throw in there with the second to last regular season race, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> you you got to go to Michigan at uh, at some point. Yep. All right, let's wrap it up here. Um, crew chief notables. Eric Jones, baby, back in the notables, finished seventh, highest finish for him at RPM. Justin Haley, speaking of other colleague racing cars, uh, wait, going to be colleague racing next year. Sorry, he's in the Spire machine right now. Finished eighth. And then uh, Rocket Ryan Newman, 10th place. Like like I was mentioning, that top 10 got really, really uh, jumbled and shaken up there with all those crashes in overtime. Um, it was the hot dogs. Got to give a shout out to Quinn Half too, baby. Second appearance on the show today. Finished 22nd. Flashback to our interview with him when he said last year, his first time running at Indy was when he took the green flag. Yeah. <laughs> In the cup series. NASCAR good. will just take anyone. That's like, that is a Talladega night scene where he's on the track going like eight miles per hour. He's like, were those the other cars? <laughs> so we turn and then go straight and then turn again and then go straight for a very long time. Yep. Yeah. That's how it works, Quinn. <laughs> Um, and Connor's not here to do the OKG of the week, but I'm going to do it and I'm giving it to Chase Briscoe. I don't care that he got parked and finished 26 officially. Dude ran his tail off, handled himself completely professionally and, and, and honestly, and like something you want to see out of a race car driver at the end. Um, I already liked him. Definitely going to be cheering for him moving forward. So Chase Briscoe, you are the OKG. I had two alternate OKGs. Did you hear Jamie Little and Alan Bestwick? Yes. Yay, announcers. When NBC kind of like turned off their mics a little bit and you could just hear them, I was like, this would be such a better race with those two calling it. But could you imagine the track were a lot luckier? Yeah. Yeah. Jamie Little and Alan Bestwick on the TV call. That would have been beautiful. Yeah. They were doing it. That was great. They sounded great. Yep. Cool. All right, let's get into some predictions and wrap it up here. As previously mentioned, we're going to Michigan this weekend. Uh, I'm going to pick first again because I was the only one here last week, and I'm taking, drum roll please, collars. <laughs> the guy is a machine. He's like, he, he, we want to talk about should have won races and stuff. He probably should have won that race. He won the Knoxville Nationals the night before. 
won the week before. The guy is he's absurd. So wait, I got a question for Dave. Any any problem with uh, Hamlin letting Larson use his plane? No, I mean lit. You know, or Larson using Hamlin's plan. He's a businessman. Why wouldn't he? Okay, sure. He's paying for the fuel. But they kept talking about he was borrowing it. Like, you know, I borrow twenty dollars from Dylan. I don't borrow a (laughs) private jet from him. We're operating on different, you know, SES scales. Okay. Okay. All right, Ryan, your uh, your prediction next. I'll go with I'll go with Joey Logano. Why not? A, A Ford in Michigan sounds right. He's been running terrible, but you know, gotta find gotta find a win uh, at some point after that Bristol dirt race. Dave, it's a Penske track, but he's not gonna forget how to win. I'm back in on the number four of Kevin Harvick. <laughs> Gets it done this week. Uh, Dave just can't quit. <laughs> Bill, um, oh, I don't know. Let's go with. Cole Custer, he needs a win this year. Let's get him into the playoffs. Cole Custer is bringing it home. All right, we know he's picking last next week. Um, all right, <laughs> that's what we got for you guys this week. We will be back next week as well, keeping the good times rolling as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Two races left. It's crunch time. Kind of crazy we're already to this point. Feels like just the other day we were like talking to Jamie Little about previewing the Daytona 500. So season's gone by quick, but. As always, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support we continue to get. So uh, keep on grinding. We'll keep grinding alongside of you, and we'll see you next week. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. Go, Ninja.